You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. because of this building no not because of this city or this province no we're in his presence because he's here amen you brought him here and he's already been here so his presence is real amen thank you for worshiping and praising the lord amen you may be seated tonight we welcome our guests to the house of the lord amen we're glad you're with us in god's house amen immediately following the service we'd like to meet you uh, in the foyer, in the lobby at the welcome desk, and please come by and meet us there. Uh, we also have two baptisms that are happening after the service tonight. We're excited about that. We had two people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Amen. Here, and one on the west side, another baptism that happened on the west side. I thank God for what He's doing. Amen. Right across our city. Amen. And God's doing some wonderful things in people's lives, and that's exciting. Amen. When you're having. Uh, multiple baptisms on a weekly basis. It's an exciting thing. And when people, multiple people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's an exciting thing. Amen. Those are born-again experiences, life-changing moments. Amen. Uh, I thank God for what He's doing in people's lives. Amen. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 5. John 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Amen. Isn't it true that everything that we're able to do is only because of the Almighty God? Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the lesson of the tree. Amen. The lesson of the tree. And uh, there's, there's multiple instances in Scripture where uh, this type of thing is used. I, I just want to uh, give you a little, uh, a little story about a, name, a guy named Pedro Phages. He had never dreamed of the potential he was viewing back on the day that he went along the ridge line in 1772. On that day, Phages became the first European man to enter the San Juanquin Valley in what is now known as Central California. Bounded by various mountain ranges and a river delta, this vast area encompasses nearly 27,500 square miles, making it bigger by itself than 10 of the states of the United States. Phages could have never known the agriculture potential that was before him when he surveyed the vista of this valley. Through the ensuing centuries, the San Juanquin Valley has become, to be, has become one of the most productive areas in the world for producing crops, particularly fruits and vegetables. It is joined in a specialty by two other much smaller valleys in California, the Imperial Valley and the Salinas Valley. Together, these 
areas supply a staggering amount of produce to the country and the world, equating to over 12% of United States' agriculture total output as measured in dollar value. Just consider uh, these little uh, stats here. 81% of all the carrots in the U.S. come from this valley. 95% of broccoli. I don't get excited about that at all, actually. 86% of cauliflower. That might even be worse. 74% of all raspberries come from this valley. And 91% of strawberries come from this valley. That's a very high quantity of fruit and vegetables that come from this valley. In total, over 400 commodities growing there account for one-third of the country's vegetables and over two-thirds of its fruit and nuts. The fruitfulness of these valleys is a blessing to multitudes around the world. Fruitfulness does that. People get excited. Now, I don't know about you. I, I like homegrown strawberries, and, but, you know, that's hard to get in February. Unless you froze them. So it's not meant to draw attention to the source, but rather to the blessing that the recipient receives when we partake of these wonderful blessings. When we're enjoying being nourished by the blessings of what was produced, we really don't pay an extra amount of attention to where they came from. We look at them. We're looking for ones that are not rotten. We're looking for nice red strawberries. We're looking for a full dish. We're looking for a, a good quality. The first thing on our mind is not always where they were growing. We're looking for good quality. Maybe the same with raspberries. What happens is we're blessed by the produce of the fruitfulness of what was given to us by in some cases, a very high percentage from this valley. Maybe I had never known that before. Maybe I'll be more conscientious when I buy my raspberries or strawberries to see. Uh, God calls us to a fruitfulness, and it's of great importance to him. The fact is that the words of Jesus that are shared in John 15 and 8, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And God intends for his church, his people, to just be like the San Juanquin Valley of fruitfulness for his glory. Um, a, a, a high percentage of life-changing experiences that would happen in people's lives because of the fruitfulness of God's people. See, when you're, when you're talking about uh, investments or the world of investments and money management, there's what is called or known as uh, ROI, return on investment. This metric, it's, it's what uh, the percentage of increase that happens on someone's money and what they can expect to receive because of a particular investment and 
and the wisdom that was used maybe to make that investment. And that ROI is such a very important term for people to remember when it comes to investing. When we look through the pages of the scripture, we can discern that God has his own interest in ROI. He has his own interest in the investment that he extends to uh, his people, the provision, the bountiness, uh, bountifulness that he gives uh, that to each and every one of us. He's, he's looking uh, uh, and discerning what his investment uh, and treasure is about to bring. Peter writes it in 1 Peter 4 and 10 and says, to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So Jesus is looking at the spiritual San Juanquin Valley. Jesus is looking at the spiritual ROI of his investment. That's you. That's me. He made an investment in you and I. He went to Calvary and died on the cross so that you and I could be part of that fruitfulness of his investment. I'm so thankful for what he did. And I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life. But folks, he didn't just save me for me. He invested into me so that we could invest in other people. See, when you look at Isaiah chapter 5, there's a word picture of God's relationship with his people, Jerusalem and Judea. He compared this bond with his people like a vineyard. He says, my well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and, and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should go forth, uh, bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. The master noted all the advantages that the vineyard had. He had carefully chosen the ground in which the vineyard would be sown and then planted with the best strain of grapes available. He had worked the soil. He had made it suitable for productivity. He had protected the vineyard from its enemies. He had provided everything the vineyard could possibly need. Then the master looked at the productivity to see what kind of fruit it had produced. And rather than the expected outcome, the vineyard was producing something of no value. Here is the result, and you see it in verses 5 and 6. And now go to, I, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come not briars and thorns, I will, I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. This was the result of a vineyard that was expected to produce an investment. And Isaiah writes and says, what was expected is not what came. And basically the hedges were taken away and it was allowed to go to whatever it desired. You've come across those instances maybe where someone who had absolute interest in the raspberry patch when they had it. I mean, they had, the, they had it all staked. 
they had the pathway clear that you could walk up and down. And you could pick your little pints of raspberries. Is there anything better than fresh raspberries? Oh, man. And isn't there, I mean, isn't it great when you can go up and down the aisle and, and I mean, they're just hanging there ready to fall into your little dish? I mean, they're just to the ripest and, and you put two in the dish and you put one or two in your mouth and who cares about washing them? I mean, who, like, really? I mean, they're just hanging there ready. And you got this absolute care of the caretaker, and then all of a sudden maybe the property is sold or, or someone passes on, and what was taken care of so diligently no longer is looked after. And within a very short period of time, what used to be producing wonderful raspberries is growing up and growing over, and you, it just looks like a, maybe a weed patch. The interest on the investment has been lost. And sometimes, folks, that happens even in the church. Don't let it be that we start out, amen, everything's exciting and, and everything's on cue and, and we're faithful to every part of what we're doing in serving God and then all of a sudden some, some event takes place in your life, some, something happens in your family or in your life personally and all of a sudden what used to be important is not important anymore. You watch it happen in home after home and family after family where maybe people who started out well on their way to do things exactly how God wanted his investment to be. But they've lost interest and maybe something else has become a priority and maybe something else is now the focus of attention. And everything that God has invested is kind of just going to the wayside. You look in the New Testament, the disciples got a first-hand look at this principle in operation. It was late in Jesus' physical ministry on earth that he was concluding his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in nearby Bethany, the next day Jesus was journeying back from, uh, to Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree. And he looked at it from a distance and it was pleasant. To look at. And the scripture records that Jesus was hungry. The tree looked healthy at a distance. Jesus could see the foliage, the leaves. They, he approached them to examine this, what looked like everything in order from afar. And he's ready to receive sweet fruit to nourish him. But much to the Lord's disappointment, he discovered that the tree was empty. It was leaf-covered, but not one piece of fruit could be found. And you read it in Mark chapter 11 and verse 14. He says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. That's a pretty serious business. Jesus comes upon a tree from afar, looks good. But it's not bearing fruit. And his response is, nobody is going to eat fruit from this tree here going forward. Now that's pretty serious. 
That's pretty serious stuff. It's intriguing that the scripture provides a seemingly reasonable explanation for the fig tree's barren limbs, yet it's not the season of the year when an average fig tree would have fruit. It wasn't even time for figs. It's not that the Lord didn't know that. He created the tree. It's not that he didn't understand that. He was teaching his disciples a principle. Even though he knew that this was not the time even for the tree to bear fruit, he would have known that very well. But he pronounced judgment on the tree. And the answer seems to be found in the fact that it was full of leaves, but it had no fruit. It looked the part, but nothing was being produced. Church, I want to make sure. I'm going to talk to me personally right now, and you take it where it hits you. I want to make sure in 2023 that I'm not just looking the part and producing no fruit because the season is that it's time to produce fruit. And I don't want it to be that the Lord looks upon my life and he sees that everything looks good, but nothing's being produced. What am I talking about? I'm talking about being in church for whatever length of time and nothing happening through my life. I'm talking about being full of the Holy Ghost and not affecting another person that I come in contact with. Let it be the lesson of the tree tonight that what God has done for me, it better show, it better produce to somebody else. Oh, it's not because of me. I can't change anybody's life. But it better be that they can see Jesus in me. I don't want to call myself apostolic, Pentecostal, and Holy Ghost filled and not allow my life to produce what the Lord desires. See, the Bible notes that Jesus saw the fig tree far off. This is what the scripture says. Having leaves. Just as it was early for figs, it was also early for that tree to be fully leaved. The Lord knew that. The Lord knew that it was early for figs, but it was also early for the tree to be fully filled with leaves. And the Lord is teaching his disciples, don't let it be that the tree looks like it should be producing fruit, and it's not. Don't let it be that in 2023, Mission Point is looking the part, but not producing the part. Don't let it be that we just have a good time in church, but lives are not being transformed. Don't let it be that you and I are full of the Holy Ghost, but no one else is receiving it. Don't let it be that we lay our heads down at night knowing we have a hope, but people who are in hopeless situation don't know where to turn. 
Hear me tonight. Here, I know this is Wednesday night. Amen. But this is Wednesday night worship. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us to be what God produced us to be. It's time for everybody to take part of the lesson of the tree. Expectation with no satisfaction can lead to a devastating divine rebuke. I don't want to stand before God at the judgment and and not be able to give an account of what he put into my spirit that I was not producing fruit on a regular and continual basis. I'll tell you what, it's easy to get caught up, church. It's easy to get caught up in our own personal preferences. But every time I look at the obituaries and I see some young person that's taken their life, Every time I look up and down the the news articles and, and there's some terrible things happening and people don't understand that they can turn to an almighty God that can change their life and, and how addictions can be delivered and people can be set free. I don't want it to be that I come into service after service and I've not learned the lesson of the tree. Help us, God. Help us. And when the disciples passed that way again the next day, the very next day, they noted the condition of the tree that Jesus had cursed. And it was vastly different from the day before. The fig tree was not just simply struggling or wilted somewhat. It was completely dried up right from the roots. The very next day, Jesus' words had produced a horrific effect that this tree would never be fruitful again. Is the Lord trying to do that to you and I? No, he's, he, taught the, he was teaching the disciples a lesson. He's not trying to get rid of you. He's not trying for your life to dry up. But let me tell you, there's all kinds of circumstances that are put in our path on a regular basis that turn our priorities away from him. And if we're not careful, we lose the joy of when we, come to, when we came to God. And we lose the excitement of the power of the Holy Ghost as the very Spirit of God living inside of us. How can we go through a day with sadness in our heart and a gloominess on our face. How is it possible that that could happen, amen, with an apostolic experience? Don't allow it to happen to you. Don't allow yourself to succumb to the world and its pressures. No, lift yourself up and learn the lesson of the tree tonight that what God put inside of you was not just for you. He put it inside of you so that you could speak words of life into someone's situation. Pray for them right at that moment. You don't have to wait, amen, for a service. You don't have to wait for a crowd. You don't have to wait for a perfect time. Somebody who's hungry now needs to be fed. You don't have to wait for a Sunday. You don't have to wait for a Wednesday night. You can pray for people right in the line. Amen. At the bank, at the grocery store. Amen. In the parking lot. When somebody asks for prayer, don't even respond that I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you right now. 
the lesson of the tree. What he put inside of you is the very same spirit he put inside of everybody else. If you're on the side of the road with a flat tire and someone stops and they just respond with, I hope someone comes along to help you. You really haven't been of much help. When someone's in need, and sometimes we so casually do it. I've done it myself many times. I was checked in my spirit today. Someone called the office today. They weren't doing well. And they wanted prayer. And my, my thought was, we'll, we'll pray for you. And then I was checked in my spirit. What do you mean we'll pray for you? Pray right now. It doesn't have to go to a list. God can touch the person right now. Is that right, Nina? That happened to her yesterday. We don't have to wait for services, and we don't have to wait for special events, and we don't have to wait for prayer lines. And we... The Holy Ghost that God put into you, the lesson of the tree, the lesson of the tree, don't let it be that we call, our something, call ourselves something and we don't actually live it. The apostles were on their way to church when the lame man was healed. Not on their way back. They were on their way to the temple. That happened on the way. See, each of us desire a good name in our church and in our community. And that's a good thing to desire. But it's a dangerous place when we just want to look good. It's a dangerous place when we deny the power thereof. Don't let it be that the people around us say, you know what? They seem to have their life together. They seem to be going in a good direction. They seem to be speaking well of your life as a person. And all of those things are good. But when someone needs help, let it be they don't have to call anyone else but you. Let it be that they don't have to wait for another crowd or follow a minister somewhere across the country. I'm not against going to services wherever. That's not my point. My point is God gave you the Spirit just like He gave everybody else. God put healing into you uh, to lay on the hands just like anybody else. God put words of wisdom uh, that he can give you just like anybody else. The lesson of the tree. Oh, God, help me. Help me. Mm. Okay. Generally, those closest to us know whether there's really fruit in our lives. Some people can look from a distance and say, you know what? They seem to have it all together. But the people who live in your house and the people who are your kids and your grandkids, they actually know if you're producing fruit. They kind of know if it's not just leaves or if there's something good being produced. The people usually closest to us know that. 
people understand that the closer that we get to each other, the examination is able to be clearer. And each of us as children of God must sincerely seek for the power of His Spirit to produce His character in our lives. This is what Psalm 19:14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. See, Paul, he explained to the churches at Galatia. He said in, in, in Galatians 5 and 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But there's two things that especially are relevant in the topic that's being taught here. And what the verse, the verses that Paul's given to the church of Galatia, first, the word fruit is singular. These verses do not list various fruits. He said the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he says. Any one of which is sufficient to be produced in my life as a Christian. The verses list various aspects of one fruit. See, we think of it in the terms of it being nine different fruit. No, the fruit of the Spirit is. There's one fruit, and here's the nine characteristics of that fruit. Why is that important? Well, you know what? I can show myself to be gentle, but man, I'm a long ways from being long-suffering. doesn't work that way. Well, you know, I'm a loving person, but I don't have any faith. I've got joy in my heart, but don't ask me to be meek. Well, I'm sorry. There's only one fruit. These are all the characteristics of the fruit. And so Paul's saying, when God changes your life, this is what it's supposed to be producing. There's no day for me not to have joy. Oh, folks, it's all right. I'm going to preach it anyway. My whole life could be a mess tomorrow, but it does not remove the fruit. The lesson of the tree is I can't lay it down for a day just because of the circumstances in my life. The lesson of the tree is he changed my life. The circumstances of life does not change what he's done. The fruit that's produced is because of the power of His Spirit. And I don't shut off the Spirit for a day. I can't be meek and not be gentle. I'm in the progress of working on all of them. But it is the fruit that's produced in my life because of what God has done. The signs of maturity is not the gifts of the Spirit. The sign of maturity is the fruit of the Spirit. What that means is I can't go by 
a negative, negative situation without it affecting me as a Christian. I can't see people hurting and it not affect me as a Christian. I can't see people in need and it not affect me as a Christian. I can't see troublesome situations and not want to bring peace to the situation. It has nothing to do with my personality type. It has nothing to do with me as a person. It has to do with what God has done in my life. You can be quiet and reserved and still produce fruit. You can be loud and boisterous and have a wild, great vineyard. No, I'm serious. I don't want it to be that I just talk the part, look the part, and try to act the part. I want to be the part. I want the lesson of the tree to have produced something in my life that's life-changing for people. The second thing that this passage says that the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of a strong resolve or the fruit of some personal improvement. This fruit is a spiritual work that only happens because of a spirit-led and spirit-influenced life. Nothing logical, nothing natural that comes from that. What am I trying to say? Well, it doesn't matter your background, and it doesn't matter how terrible life was before you came to God. All those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But it does not change what God can do in your life. It doesn't change how powerful God is in your life. When God filled you with His Spirit, amen, He allowed you to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things were passed away, and behold, all things became new. Something happened in your spirit. The lesson of the tree Faith and forgiveness are produced. You see this now dead tree, this fig tree, and the disciples were amazed. But they remember what Jesus had said to it. And in response to their inquiry, Jesus used the opportunity to address two things that clearly give us indication of why the production of the tree had halted. He uses these two things, unbelief and unforgiveness. If you want to ruin the productivity of your fruitfulness, stop believing and stop forgiving. If you want to make sure you're being fruitful and you're being as productive as God wants, let your life be believing and let your life be forgiving. And Jesus uses these two things in the lesson of the tree. He's talking to his disciples. He's not going to talk to the world. He's talking to his church. He's talking to the ones that their lives have been changed and transformed by his ministry. And he's talking to them and he says, First, just as you did not believe Jesus' words would result in the demise of the tree, that lack of faith in God will result 
in you spiritually becoming bare. You could imagine the disciples when Jesus responds and says, from this day forward, not going to be no more fruit in you. That's what he says to the tree. I mean, it's fully in leaf. Now, Jesus has got some irritation problems, maybe the disciples were thinking. You know, he's, this has been a long walk for him. He must be tired and hungry. He must be thinking about something that's got him upset. You can imagine the thoughts that were going through his mind. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. From this day forward, you're not going to bear no fruit. That's pretty serious stuff. But what they were surprised is the very next day, they come to the tree, and it's dried up from the roots. And the Lord teaches them a lesson. Listen, when I say it, believe it, because it's true. When I saved you and called you my own, don't allow anyone to say anything different. When I forgave you of your sins, don't let anyone else bring it back up. When I called you into my kingdom, don't believe the enemy in his lies. This is a belief in what God has done to your life. This is the lesson of the tree. When he called you, when he sealed you, when he put his name upon you, you became his child. You were adopted into the family. You became his own. The lesson of the tree is don't allow yourself to believe things that are not true. It'll take away your fruitfulness. I see it all the time. People believe what the enemy tells them. That they're never going to make it. They can't win. They can't overcome. They can't be victorious. They'll never be anything but what they are now. Let me tell you, that's a lie. Hallelujah. From the pit of hell. If God fills you with his spirit, you got the same power I got. I'll take the ten people that are agreeing. If you got the Holy Ghost, we got the same spirit. Doesn't matter what your dad said that you would become or not become. God's your heavenly father. He brought you into his fold. He put his name upon you. He filled you with his spirit. The lesson of the tree is believe him. It'll produce a fruitfulness in your life. When he said, what I started in your life, I'm going to finish it until the day I return. You believe it. When he said he's no respecter of persons, believe it. When he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, believe it. He said to his disciples, don't allow unbelief to determine your fruitfulness. Music come. Give the people hope. Next, Jesus immediately moved into a discussion on forgiveness. And on the surface, the transition might seem somewhat strange. But the all-knowing master was teaching that grudges that are carried 
matter. And if we've not forgiven, it will hinder us being a fruit bearer. I can't claim to be apostolic on certain days and not be on others. I can't claim to be gentle and then when someone's name's mentioned, it brings anger to my spirit. impossible I can't say I'm bearing fruit of gentleness but if someone mentions your name it makes me mad it's not gentle how can we claim peace and to have the fruit of peace When turmoil continues to happen in people's lives because of past hurts that they refuse to get over. How can we claim to be long-suffering when we're still offended by something that happened yesterday? The lesson of the tree, you've got to let things go. You've got to take the high road. You've got to understand that he's put his love and presence and spirit inside of you. You can't be dictated by the things of this world. Oh, listen, we're all in the same boat. Pastor's not exempt. You, want to, you know one of my pet peeves? is bad drivers. the flashing green lights going and people still sitting there on their phone how bad I want to beat the horn oh no I'm serious I tell my I tell my wife all the time I want to I want an open I want to open a driving school I know it ain't happening but I just man I like it I don't have no time to do it so it's probably good it's a pet peeve I can't sit behind that person and honk the horn and shake my fist and hopefully do no other gestures. Can't claim to be apostolic and full of the Holy Ghost and allow that to rule my life. Listen, I've gone through enough times of having to apologize to people for tone and all that craziness even my kids say I'm mellowed yeah I'm not near as hard on the grandkids oh I'm going to have another one did you know that Marissa's having number four if you haven't heard the announcement another boy Got enough for a baseball team soon. The lesson of the tree is you can't allow yourself to get caught up in unforgiveness. 
it will destroy you. It will. It'll eat you up. Okay, I got too many more notes for the time. I'll end with this. There was an old farmer who just couldn't figure something out. Years earlier, he had planted apple trees along his long gravel driveway. And in those early years, every time he entered or exited his property, he dreamed of hot apple pies and apple cider and the fresh crunch of a juicy bite of an apple straight off the tree. Patiently, he waited. Sometimes even not so patiently. As the trees matured and grew. This is a true story. At long last, he waited. And he was rewarded with spring blossoms that gave away to a fall harvest. From every tree except one. One tree stubbornly refused to produce even though it seemed to hold the most promise. It was taller and wider than any of the others. It had more leaves. Its leaves were deeper, richer green than any of its other trees. It certainly looked the part. And despite the money spent on fertilizer and water and tilling the ground, it never produced one apple, not one. The farmer desperately turned to an expert, a friend who was a professor at the University of Missouri. And the professor pulled up to the driveway in his pickup and stopped near the offending tree. It was easy for him to pick it out because it was indeed the most promising in its appearance. And the professor walked around it, looked at it from all sides with his well-trained eye, and then he nodded and said, I believe I see the problem. And this problem can be fixed with that he reached into the back of the truck and pulled out a heavy chain grasping one end of it firmly he proceeded to beat the tree from top to bottom pieces of bark were gouged out limbs were broken leaves fell to the ground in great numbers the owner came running out yelling stop you're going to kill it still the man continued to flog the helpless fruitless apple tree and after some time of reducing the tree to the appearance of a victim of a severe storm the professor turned to the confused farmer and said that should do it you see this true this tree got so busy and spent so much energy looking good that it forgot its primary mission was producing apples. The professor said, you wait and see what happens next year. Sure enough, he was right. During the following fall harvest, the farmer could not hardly believe the abundance of apples that covered that now bent branches of the tree. The tree didn't look as good as it did before. It was quite battered up and scarred. It would probably never, he said, appear on the cover of Apple Tree Monthly. 
but it had returned to the faithful, fulfilled purpose of bearing fruit. Now, I've never heard of doing such a thing, but it's a true story. I don't want it to be that God has to allow things to happen in my life that bring me to a place where I finally realize that it's more than just what I say and how I look and what I what I profess it's more than that but it's actually what he did in my life is producing what he desires oh God help me to understand the lesson of the tree before that has to happen in my life I'm here to encourage you as a church stand I'm here to encourage you as a church tonight what he placed inside of you is powerful it's fruitful it's plenteous you don't have a junior God you don't have a diluted Christ you don't have a watered down version no no he filled you and I with the same spirit the same spirit the lesson of the tree Lord, all across this audience tonight, God, let your mighty power and spirit minister into people's lives. God, I don't want to be apostolic in word only. I don't want it to be that I just call myself a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to just say that I'm full of the Spirit and my life not be helping change somebody else. Lord, help me to learn the lesson of the tree. I open the altar tonight for everybody that's in this room. Everybody that's watching or listening online, I encourage you to find a place of prayer right now. Why don't you just put yourself in God's presence just for a few moments and Allow His Spirit to work on your life right now. Would you do that? Would you just fill this altar? Allow God to reach into your heart and into your spirit. And let the fruitfulness of what He desires to happen in you. Hallelujah to every person you come in contact with. To every person you speak to. Let them be, hallelujah, amazed at what has happened in your life. They may not understand it right away. But they know there's something different about you. the words of your mouth don't let it be negative don't let it be filled with unforgiveness don't let the words of your mouth be filled with unbelief oh no let it be that you believe exactly what the Lord says let it be that you understand exactly what he's done in your life let the power of his spirit produce fruit inside of every one of us hallelujah Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.